0: Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Welcome. If you're visiting with us for the first time today, my name is Jay Elkins. I'm Connections Pastor here at the church. Um, pastor Tim, our senior pastor, had eye surgery this week, and so he is not able to be here. He's doing well. He's doing fine. Don't worry. No panic. He's recovering. He's going to be back next week. Surgery's good. So I don't want him to get mad and be like, why did you say so? Yeah. Don't fill up his email with, um, are you okay? You're going to be okay. He's fine. He's just taking a break. Okay. So last week, um, as Tim was prepping for knowing that he's going to be away, he said, Jay, would you be willing to do the service? And I said, sure. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, oh man, the Sunday after Easter, man, because Easter, what do we celebrate? We celebrate Christ's death, his burial and resurrection, right? Christ broke every." Chain that sin had on us with his offering that he made on the cross in his resurrection, right? He turned death upside down. There is no more curse for those who believe in Christ. And so, whenever we think through those things, I'm like, well, what do we do the week following, right? Because that's such a big thing to cover. And I had a thinking, I was like, well, what if we just turn the page? And we take a look at some of the folks that had lived with Christ for a while. And see how that event that we celebrated last week changed them. So we're going to find ourselves in Acts chapter 4. Before we get into the actual scripture, I want to lay some context over the story, right? Context of what we're looking at is so important because whenever we are looking at a passage and we only pull out just one piece, we can, we could get lost in what's actually taking place, what's actually happening, right? But when we have a fuller, bigger picture, it helps us understand really what's being taught in the passage. So, in Acts chapter 4, is we're going to hang out, but Acts chapter 3 was right before 4, right? So that's earth-shattering truth. Um, so chapter 3, uh, Peter and John were headed to the temple. Christ has been resurrected. He has sent them out to be the disciples, and he's ascended back to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come and these men are living their lives, right? So they're living their lives like they always would. So they're headed to the temple 3 p.m. for prayer. Well, as they're headed to the temple, there's a man who's being carried to the temple gates to beg. This man was born crippled. His feet and his ankles didn't work properly. And so his friends and family would carry him to the temple gate and set him down. And there he would sit and beg daily. Well, Peter and John were there coming for prayer. And as they encountered him, he would sit, alms, alms, right? Alms. It would look like, do you have any change? Do you have any spare change to share? That's what it would look like today, right? Do you have any change? This guy saying alms, alms. And as Peter and John approached the gate... That hand's out, he's down, Peter and John are standing there, alms, alms, and Peter and John said, look at us, look up, look up, connect with us, look in our eyes, we don't have gold and silver to give you, but what I do give you is what I have, and I give you Jesus, get up and walk and he reached his hand out and the man grabbed it by his right hand and immediately his ankles and his feet were strengthened the man stood up and ran into the temple courts right so here we are jesus has ascended back into heaven he's given the holy spirit and sent his people out lives are being changed right And so they go on into the temple for the prayer time, because what's kind of fun about this story is that was normal. Isn't that crazy to think that these men were functioning in the gift of the Holy Spirit and they just went into the temple? This was normal. And so everybody began saying, well, how did you do that? I've seen that kid since, well, seen that man since he was a kid and knew that he couldn't walk. But now he's walking and he's running around in the temple praising Jesus. How'd that happen? And so they said, it's not by our power, but what happened on Easter. What happened last week, the things that we talked about last week, it wasn't actually a week for them. But in our context, the things that we talked about last week is what made that possible because now we have the Holy Spirit with us, right? And so those folks in the courts began to say, "woo" and got excited about Jesus. Well, the Sanhedrin, well, the Sadducees, the officials in the temple said, this isn't okay. This isn't how we roll. This ain't how we work. This isn't okay. And so they gathered, they had them arrested and said, What are you doing and in what name is this happening? And that's where we are in Acts chapter 4. Verse 8. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of who? Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that his, this man stands before you healed. The stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've gathered us here again. We ask that you would use this time to do your work. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so we have made it into chapter four where we're going to hang out. Peter and John are now standing before the Sanhedrin. What the Sanhedrin is, it, it was back then, it was a group of f- officials. It would have been like 25 or 72, depending on which city they were in. And so the Sanhedrin is what you would call the council, the court. And so these men are standing before the religious court and they're saying, give us an account Of what took place, right? Peter says, Jesus, Jesus took place. It's all about Jesus. It all points back to Jesus. The very thing that I was denying and didn't even want to hold on to before Jesus was put on the cross is now the very thing I can't deny. It's Jesus. It's all Jesus. And so that brings me to the first fill-in. Point number one. Christ changes us. A man who wasn't so sure about how he related to Jesus now is standing before a court saying it's all about Jesus. It's been about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's Jesus, right? If we look at Acts Chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Okay, so we could read a lot into that. But if in this context, what they're saying is, these men aren't rabbis how were they talking with such authority about Jesus and what he did? How do they understand that? How do they know this thing? Rabbis would have been trained from childhood. And they would have spent their years learning the scriptures of the Old Testament all the way through. So that whenever it was finally time at about age 30, That they had a grasp and a good handle on scripture. These men were looking at them saying, how is this possible? These men aren't educated. They haven't been to school and been trained. It's because they spent time with who? Jesus. Jesus Christ changes us. When we spend time with Christ, we better understand God's love for us, his desire for us, and his plans. Spending time with Jesus changes us. One other thing, and this is not explicitly just here in this one passage, but as I was considering it and prepping for today, I thought of Peter when the guards came to get Jesus in the garden. Peter was the one that jumped up with the sword and chopped the guy's ear off and said, not my Jesus, right? Not my Jesus, nope. And Jesus is like, stop, and he puts his ear back on, right? See, totally normal, right? So, um, so Jesus, but Peter here, and I think in studying more with how his response is, it stopped being a defense and started pointing towards Jesus. That make sense? Like it changed him. He's still tenacious. He's still a bold man. God said, I'm going to build my church on you. I'm going to build. You're going to be a foundation. He's still that character. But you know what he said? He said, it's Jesus. I don't have all the words. I don't have all this. It's Jesus. Jesus did it. You want the account? Look at Christ. That's a change, Right? Point number two, your fill-in number two. We're moving quickly because we've got a, a treat later. I'm going to invite some people here to um, do a little interview. Um, point number two, your fill-in, the Holy Spirit empowers us to follow Jesus, to do and follow Christ's example, Right? So as we're looking at that, we're along throughout these passages, um, chapter 3, verse 12 says, When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it's by our power or godliness that we have made this man walk? The Holy Spirit was working in and through them. Again, Peter was saying, "It's not me. I don't have the answers. I spent time with that Jesus guy. I love that Jesus guy, and now I got the Holy Spirit in me. He's doing it all, right?" And so, also, verse uh, in chapter four, verse eight, again. We see, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are to be called to account today of any act of kindness shown to a cripple, and asked, what was at the very beginning of that? Filled with the Holy Spirit. There are two things that I want to bring to your attention about what happened when the Holy Spirit filled them. One is that a man who was standing at the gates or sitting at the gates, was healed. A crippled man was healed. Huge, right? Miracle. Guy jumps up, runs into the temple. The other miraculous thing that takes place that I think we miss sometimes is that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit there too. When he was giving an account... And so what I would like to say is that, yes, there's this miraculous, the healing that takes place, but then we also have the miraculous that when when Peter needed God in front of the council, the Holy Spirit filled him and gave him the very words that he needed, just as miraculous because the Holy Spirit moved, right? So standing there in front of the people filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, It's all about Jesus. And so here's the thing that I would like to, and this is is a little takeaway. Maybe, I don't know, a side note, something, I don't know. Put it in your pocket. But the Holy Spirit will empower us to rely on the relationship we already have with Jesus. It was the foundation. Their relationship with Jesus was the foundation And the Holy Spirit was empowering him to lean on that. You see? He was giving an account that wasn't of him. It was Jesus. It was his relationship. Something else that happens... um, that you we read more about when we get over to like Hebrews chapter 4. But these folks were used to going to the temple and making sacrifice so that they could be in relationship with God. They were used to going to a priest so they could hear from God. They would ask the priest to go in, right? Make sacrifice for them. Or they would make sacrifice on an altar. God would speak to a priest to then communicate to his people what he wanted them to know. What had taken place at this point is what Hebrews chapter 4 tells us. Is that now since we have a great high priest that knows us and knows our struggles, draw close to God. The bridge has been built The gap is no longer there. The wall has been torn down. However you want to look at it, Jesus gave us access to God, gave us access to the Holy Spirit. It was not possible for the Holy Spirit to dwell in us before the work of the cross, right? Point number three, or fill-in number three. Christ changes communities. Whenever those folks saw the man healed, he jumped up running into the temple. When they saw him, they began to say, wait a minute, he was crippled as a child and has been for 40 years. What just happened? And so they had to know. And as Peter began to share what had happened, men and women began to give their life to Christ. They began to say, wait, that's the answer we've been coming to the temple for. This is what we have been living and waiting for is Christ. That's it. That's what we've been looking for. So much so that men and women had been coming to know Christ all along. But in this very account, we get a number attached to it. And it said that day the number rose to about 5,000 men. So that's not the account for women and children, right? Families, this is just men. So when Christ enters the scene, the game changes. We change. You can't help but change when you meet Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us to follow. And then the very outward working of that as communities begin to change. Because people realize they see what they've been looking for. They realize there's an answer for that desire they've had in them since birth. Jesus is a game changer. He built the bridge, he tore down the wall, however you want to say it. He gave us access to God in that relationship. I'm going to invite two very neat people to the stage Derek Kennington and Claire Adair, if you wouldn't mind joining me up here. Yeah, this is appropriate. So, as I'm preparing for this week, I got to thinking, how cool would it be if um, I know some stories of folks? Because I get to be in a position where I hear a lot of stories of you guys in your lives. So, what if we highlighted some of those stories today? So, Claire, how did you find Seacoast Vineyard Church? Hold on.
1: Is it on? Question of the day. We moved here when my daughter was still in high school. And uh, she went to Myrtle Beach High School and met some friends. And uh, we were attending another church at the time here. We'd been searching for a church. But at this time, um, one of her friends at high school, a young high school girl, invited her to Seacoast. And she went on this one Sunday. She came home from church. And she told my husband and I, this is where I want to go to church. And we looked at each other and we said, that's where we're going to go to church then. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Thanks. You recently had
0: a significant event take place in your life. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that?
1: Yes, it was very significant. Um, January 15th, I ended up being taken to Grand Central Hospital. Grand Strand Hospital um, with an am- by an ambulance. And on the 19th, I ended up having um, surgery. And um, then, not with, I mean, less than 24 hours, I ran into some problems. And they had to rush me back to the operating room. And I had a second major surgery, too. So I've been recovering from those surgeries now.
0: Can you share with us about the community that you experienced around you during that time?
1: Well, I have a very I have a really wonderful family. I have four daughters. Um, they flew and drove down to be here with me. But I have a second wonderful family, and that's my family at Seacoast. And Um, the morning of the surgery, it was 6.30 in the morning, members from my small group came to the lobby of the hospital and prayed. And they met with my daughters and prayed with them too. And um, they even got to see the surgeon. (laughs) But um, from then on, um, I knew I was going to have a very serious recovery. Uh, They even talked about putting me in rehab, but I didn't want to do that. And so the church, um, after my daughters had to return to their homes and back to work and school, um, the church organized my small, group and other people organized and they came every day to my house. Um, I couldn't be left alone. I needed babysitters and they took care of me. They helped me, uh, fix my breakfast, fix my lunch, um, help me get dressed, um, they just ministered to me in every way possible. Uh, they brought food, a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just, it was the body of Christ that just came and wrapped its arms around me. And I uh, was there for me in a very, very hard time.
0: Thank you. Derek, tell us a little bit about what it was like when you were coming here for the first time and then kind of how it changed.
2: So a little side note, emotional, so I, I, uh, I'm an emotional guy, so just bear with me, all right? So uh, yeah, first time coming here to Seacoast, uh, my girlfriend Megan kind of drugged me along, if you will. Uh, I'm used to being in it from uh, kind of, I grew up in the deep south, only, only had one red light, so you can imagine the type of uh, church I went to. Um, it was, uh, full of, uh, you know, a lot of people, you had to dress a certain way, you had to act a certain way, you had to be a certain way, uh, if you didn't find, follow these certain guidelines, uh, you'll be shunned and you'll die, um, and you'll die a horrible death in forever. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I was a little taken back, you know, coming, coming to a church and, uh, I'd fell out of touch with God, Christ, uh, belief, faith, everything, um, after being baptized at a very young age. Um, And so I was really reluctant um, on coming to church. And, you know, I came in and and I was trying to, I was like, well, I don't have any church clothes, you know, so I don't really know what to wear. Um, And she was like, well, you have, you know, clothes, so just wear them. Uh, But, no, I was was so used to, you know, I had button-up shirt, khakis, uh, dress shoes, stuff like that, you know, so. um, But obviously you know I'm this is the way I dress every day now so uh but when I came in everybody was dressed you know pretty nonchalant just normal I guess you can say not like church clothes um so I was like man this place is pretty cool it's not bad I kept coming back kept coming back and Tim um him being a surfer and really down to earth um he had been soul searching I guess kind of like I have um I've done the yoga thing. I've done meditation. I've done just soul searching for myself, and uh, so that was three years ago. And um, I it took me about uh, this. Me and Megan have been coming consistently. Like our favorite part of the day is Sunday. Is Sunday, and so um, yeah, man, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what did we um, celebrate last week? Um, so I was baptized again for the second time last week. Um, yeah. (laughs) So, um, a lot of people, you know, I, 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 Jay texted me. He was like, would you, I don't know if you've been baptized or not, you know, but, uh, I was interested. Would you be interested in, um, getting baptized? I was like, well, I was baptized at like 10, 11, 12, somewhere around in there. So, um, it didn't really mean a lot to me at the time. I didn't really know. I didn't understand God. I didn't understand Jesus. I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand anything, really. And so that was kind of like how I fell out of touch, you know, and just um, kept spiraling out of control. And um, And then I hit rock bottom and then s- slowly the path out um, from the grave, if you will, um, mm-hmm. and finding Jesus and again. Or not again, but for real, if you
0: um, And so I was like, after telling him that, I was like, let's do it, man. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we had a great conversation. It was like, I don't know if, if it's new first time or if it's second, but um, let's put a stake in the ground and celebrate what God's done in his life, right? So um, that was last week. Uh, if you guys had the opportunity to give a word of encouragement to folks, from your life experience. What's something you would share?
1: Well, first I have to give a shout out to the Saturday morning men's Bible study that came to my house and did all my yard work and power wash my <laughs> house. I forgot to mention them the first time, <laughs> but they're yeah. fantastic. <clears throat> most important, there's really two most important things to me, one is spending time in the word, and then the other one is spending time in prayer. And that just builds your relationship with him. Yeah, that's what he wants with us as a relationship, a friendship. And uh, I'm so thankful for that time because that's what's strengthened me to carry me through. And the second thing is, most important thing is to get involved. Get involved in the church. Join a small group. If nothing else, just join a small group where you get to know one another and you can help each other and you can pray for each other. It isn't just a small group that's helped me. It's many different people in this church that came and helped me. But start there. Just start. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Sorry. Uh, um, I would have to say consistency for myself, um, for anyone, really. Consistency is key. Um, As far as through faith... Belief, um, reading, understanding, coming to church. Um, I used to think that I don't need to go to church because I can just do my own thing. But guess what? You don't. You don't end up doing your own thing. You don't, you're don't. you like, I can worship God on my own, but you don't. Um, you end up falling out of touch. Um, the stuff that you believe isn't always what comes out of the preacher's mouth. Um, it doesn't touch you the same way. So, consistency, coming to church, being around other people within the church, um, that's very key. So, just being consistent, that's uh, the only word I can say.
0: Thank you. All right. Well, thank you both for your time. And um, I'll let you move back to your seat. All right. In preparation, knowing that... um, Those two stories were happening among us and planning and thinking through our fill-ins if God changes us, right? Derek is an example of what happens when we encounter Christ, right? Our lives starts to change. It looks different. We're no longer the same people. God moves in us and changes us. Derek's story. Claire. Christ changes communities. Whenever we are walking with Christ, when the Holy Spirit is moving in us, empowering us to do the very things that Jesus is calling us to do, communities start to change. Who experiences a community like Claire experienced outside of Christ? People that would lay their their own daily things down in order to take care of someone, right? Right? That's not, that's countercultural for us. We say, serve ourselves, and if there's any time left, serve others. That's what our culture says. She experienced a community that laid all of their stuff down and served her first, took care of her in her weakest moments, right? When God shows up, when we connect, when we meet Jesus, he changes everything, he's a game changer. There's this um, tendency, I think, that we have to look for the big miraculous, right? We want to see God do something really big. We want to see, we want to be a part of the big stuff, which is wonderful. A few weeks ago, we got to hear Terry Winterhalter's story about where the doctor said, there's no reason she should ever get out of that bed again. Turn the machines off. He's with us today worshiping on Sunday mornings, right? God still does big stuff, right? But he's also doing the stuff that we are discrediting because we're just not thinking about it. That communities are changing, that people's lives are different, that's the Holy Spirit moving, that we can be empowered to follow Jesus and lean on the relationship that we have in Jesus in our daily lives to answer the need when it calls, whether it's at work or at home with your children when you want to choke them out and send them to Jesus. (laughs) Right? It's the Holy Spirit that gives us restraint and helps us curb that, into actual instruction and actual discipline, right? God is still doing stuff. We just want to discredit. I have a few um, a few images I want to share with you. As we were, um, as I was prepping this thing, water is a funny thing, right? Because water's clear. Well, if it's healthy water, right? It's clear. You can see through it. It's kind of kind of moves and goes wherever it is. Well, whenever you pour it in a glass, sometimes it'll Bubble over the top. Why doesn't it come out? Because there's surface tension. It's holding. The surface is holding, right? And I think sometimes we don't, you don't see that in water. There's not a blackout line. There's not a tension line saying, okay, here's the tension and here's not. It's just there. And I think that's how it is with our lives. Like God is doing stuff under the surface, but we're not looking. We're not really kind of seeing what's actually taking place unless we ask for spiritual eyes to see him moving. There's a tension. There's a surface that's holding. Another image that helps illustrate this is this one. This helps illustrate it a little bit better, right? There's enough tension that this little guy can just hang out. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to chill here. And then he's going to be eaten by a bass and I'm going to catch it. But anyway, so, but for sure. But we don't see that part of it, right? I think it's the same way in our spiritual walks is that we are interested in hoping for the big stuff to take place. But the very things that are happening around us, we sometimes aren't seeing the movement of the Holy Spirit and the change that's taking place in lives. This room doesn't just have two stories in it, Derek and Claire's, right? You all have a story. You all have an experience where God's drawing you. You're here this morning, right? There's something God is doing. And so it is in each and every one of us moving under the surface, the Holy Spirit, God's calling. And He's saying, hey, I'm drawing you into relationship. Something that's kind of funny is when, when water, like at that glass, if you had touched that, it would have bubbled out all over the side, right? Made a big mess and you have been wiping up. So have you ever been to a pond and it's like super slick and smooth and it's like reflective and it's all beautiful? Well, my tendency is to find a big rock and there's a lot of it right in the middle. And when you do, it sends out a chain of ripples and reactions all over the place, right? When we get below the surface, when we break the tension and we see what God's doing, it affects everything. It goes from shore to shore. There's not an area that God, Jesus Christ, death didn't touch. We tend to want to look for this next one where I threw the big boulder in. That one, yeah. We tend to want to look for that one, right? And we want to see, oh, there's something huge, an event taking place over here. But I would just love to challenge you to think that God's moving among us. Christ loves you so much, he went to the cross. God loves you so much, That he was willing to allow his son to do it and send him there. Scripture tells us that um, the verse that we all know, John 3.16. We don't all know it, but a lot of us know John 3.16. God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you go down just a little bit further, Christ didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to liberate, to save, to set free. And that freedom is released all over you guys. It's just looking under that surface to see him moving, to see what he's doing, because you've all got a story. You've all got somebody, somewhere, something that God is empowering you to live out what he's asked you to do. So in the passage, I think you have... Different people. We have the disciples, big players in the story, right? Maybe you identify with them as being someone who is really passionate about taking the gospel to people. Maybe, maybe you are your sole family member and you're taking Jesus to your family, right? Maybe nobody else does in your family. Maybe that you're working in a place that's not very godly, and you're being the disciple. Maybe you've seen life changing people so much that it changed you like the people standing in the courts, right? Maybe you've experienced the movement of Jesus so much that you said, I want to be a part of that too. Maybe you have a crazy story where God did something miraculous, healing, life-death situation. Maybe you have one of those stories that God did, and you've been changed The only people we don't want to be at the end of the day is the Sanhedrin, the council. Because they encountered Christ but missed it just so much. That's not how we do religion. It's not how, Christ doesn't fit in our story. That's what they were saying. Christ doesn't fit in my training, in my story, in my authority here in this temple. Christ doesn't fit. If you've encountered Christ but never given him your life, don't tell him he doesn't fit. Because the life change, the very desire that we have at birth for this calling to be in relationship with God came, it's Jesus. Peter was shouting it and telling it, it's all about Jesus. It goes back to Jesus. We're going to sing Build My Life, just a moment. If you have prayer needs, if this has stirred anything you want prayer about, during the song, go get prayer. This song is a response time. If you've identified any one of those things, maybe maybe you need to talk about Jesus a little bit and you want to know a little bit more, I want to talk to you. It's okay. Find me right here. I'm going to step down while we sing. If you just are excited about your relationship with Jesus and it was a reminder this morning, thank him for it. And sing appropriately. I'm going to build my life on what you've done on the cross. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com If you need prayer you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321-84321 and follow the prompts.